Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the Snowman. Folks, I've got another special episode for you. I got the chance to sit down with County Executive Candidate Julie Giordano to discuss some of the topics concerning our local area, as well as some national topics. She has lived in the area for over 20 years now and is an active member of the community. Also in the conversation is County Council at Large candidate James Wynn and Julie's campaign manager, Dan McHugh. This episode will be a good one to listen to if you are unsure who to vote for in the upcoming election, as well as getting a more in-depth look at two of the local candidates. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here are Julie Giordano, James Wynn, and Dan McHugh. Well, first off, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great having you on. Uh, for starters, can you share with the audience who you are and what you are doing right now? Yeah, so I'm Julie Giordano, and I am running for Wacomico County Executive. Okay. So what exactly is that? Because a lot of people won't probably understand that. I remember when it was first created, it was about what, 12, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what is that as opposed to, like, say, the mayor? Right. So the mayor is kind of the head of one municipality. And so the uh, the executive encompasses all of the, the municipalities. Okay. So, um, the, uh, the executive's in charge of the budget. Um, and, you know, uh, I guess you, you are in charge of the department heads. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of oversee everything. So the mayor obviously would just be one, one piece of the county. Okay. As opposed to it holistically. Um, and so with our charter form of government, uh, we not only have the executive supporting the people, but we have the legislative body. And so each uh, district has its own representative, which formulates the council. Okay. And so collaboratively together, we are that voice uh, okay. for Wacomico. And so not only are we um, kind of fighting against those regulations, so you're in support of citizens and small businesses and um, the, your police and fire departments. So Gotcha. So what prompted you to run for executive? Oh, geez. Well, um, I don't think that we really liked the, and I say we because it was kind of a movement Mm -hmm. um, of people running. um, And I think we weren't happy with the way things were going, uh, you know, in our country and in our state. Yeah. And we, I think, all had this, like, we're going to run for president. We're going to run for Congress. We're going to run for this. And then we realized, obviously, that we had to start on the local level. And so we see kind of the fruits of those labors because we see people so involved now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that are coming into this race, whether they're for us or against us. Um, and, and But I think that that's a good thing, though. It's people getting involved at the local level. Um, if you look at numbers, um, I think Bob Culver, a couple years ago, or the last time he ran, it was like 3,500 votes that he won by. Um, and just, you know, my opponent um, and I in the primary had 7,000 votes. So oh, wow. it just shows the double of, you know, of people getting involved. And so I think that that's um, a good thing, you uh-huh. know, and um, uh, and they're involved at every level, you know, not just at the executive level, but at the county council level, our school board level. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting um, thing to be involved with. And um, people are really understanding, I, I think, or have a better understanding of the type of government that we have here. Gotcha. Yeah, I've heard like uh, Ben Shapiro talking about how they're moving, like a lot of people move in through the local governments and that's how they get to these higher up offices Mm -hmm. 
And it's like you start local and then you work way up. Don't immediately jump for the big fish. Yeah. You kind of have to. I mean, I couldn't imagine um, starting any larger. I mean, I kind of jumped into the deep end of the pond to begin with mm-hmm. um, as the executive. I think the natural form would have been, um, you know, obviously county council. Um, but I've also, I mean, I'm on our central committee as well. So we sort of understand that as, but yeah, you should start small yeah. and then kind of work your way uh, forward. I, I couldn't imagine running a race any bigger than what I'm running right now. So. <laughs> So what would you say to convince people to vote for you as opposed to someone else running? And do you suppose that local elections can be nonpartisan? Because we see this all the time of everyone jumps on one boat or they're on the other boat and that's it. So I think people should vote for me because I feel that... Um, I'm the one bringing forth a team effort. Um, We are very much working um, collaboratively to try to accomplish a greater goal. Um, We're working super hard knocking on doors. We're working hard, you know, trying to figure out what our issues are with our first responders. We're working with small businesses. And, you know, we just want to make a difference in the community. Um, I have a great relationship with our delegates and senators and our congressmen. And um, I think that they see how hard I'm working. And I think that they know that we want to take this regional approach uh, to the county executive. You know, we're one of the only, um, we are the only county down here on the shore that has the executive form of government. And so it's going to be super important for that person to not only represent Wacomico, but you're also actually representing Worcester and Somerset. So we're trying Mm -hmm. to blur those lines to create this regional approach because um, even though I say our county's big with 107,000 people, um, it's still, we're so small compared to like Montgomery County that has over like a million. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, so we're small. So we have to work collaboratively together to be able to get something done. Um, as far as the nonpartisan, I've actually talked about this. So many of the issues when it comes to the executive, I mean, they're nonpartisan issues. You know, we want good roads. We want good schools. We mm-hmm. want clean air. We want clean water. So those are nonpartisan issues. Um, and I actually had this conversation with uh, Mayor Jake Day. I said, when I get in there, the partisanship has to end. And it's a shame that it's that way. Um, I sort of like the school board because it is nonpartisan. But, you know, I, I'm hoping when I get in there, it's not going to matter about Republican or Democrat because you are the representative for all people. So I think you have to be, in order to be a successful leader, I think you have to set yeah. you know, the partisanship yeah. aside. So what are the hopes you hope to accomplish if you're elected? Because I don't, I don't know how the race is going. So um, our big push um, when I first started running was action starts now. And it was a lot of it had to do with the fact that we very much felt that there was a stagnant administration, things not moving forward, decisions not being made. And it's, you know, it was constantly, you know, it was just, it was just a waiting game for everybody and everything. And then that sort of evolved into this active local leadership. And that's kind of what we hope to accomplish is that we are available for the citizens, for our small businesses, for our police, for our firemen. And we're that voice that represents like that representation and I don't think that they've had that for a really long time Mm -hmm. so I think that's one of our biggest goals I know there's a whole lot of other ones I mean we have a water and sewer plan that's going to have to you know really get in you know the ball rolling with that we've got a police contract that we need to fix there's a lot of things that we need to do but really it's about being present um, and being ready to make that decision and coming forward with a team I think a lot of people Um, look at the executive position and think, how can this 40-year-old teacher do this position? And I think that they sometimes forget that, um, you know, it is an executive team. And Mm. so it is going to be a team approach. I think that's a good point because a lot of people think it's just 
they say county executive on county executive and team. Right, it, it is just the team, says that yeah. one position, just like the mayor. It was like the mayor has his staff, and they he goes to them or he goes to the county right. council. And, and one of the other biggest things, and he can actually, um, I know I can probably introduce him. So James Wynn yep. is running for county council at large. One of the big issues that they've had also that we want to accomplish is. Um, the fact that we want to have a good working relationship with the council. So for a long time, the county executive and the council have kind of, you know, I think there's been like kind of fighting with power yeah. and we need to understand that, um, you know, they need to respect what I do and I need to respect what they do and, you know, just kind of recognize the strengths of each member. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume that you would kind of feel the same way. So, yeah. So, uh, Regardless of what happens, there's going to be four new members on the county council. Okay. At least four new members. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this all comes about because we're going to have a new county executive, four new members for a county council, a whole new school board. That's good. It, it, the whole script is 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 going to flip regardless of what happens. And, and it's going to be healthy because I think the people that, that are running are going to be able to work together, you know, mm. and... Uh, you know, like, I think I can work together with just about anybody. And, yeah. And, and, you know, whether whoever wins, I, I plan on working with them just, just to move our county forward. Yeah. We have to move forward. Um, you know, I'm 30 years old. You know, uh, 10 years from now, I want to see our success. So we've also seen in more recent years um, elections go from candidates could make their cases to the people most of the time, people would just hang up the phone when uh, calls were made. I know because I worked on the Andy Harris campaign in yeah. 2008. Okay. So I was making all the phone calls. I was knocking on the doors. And I got a lot of doors uh, shut in the face. And like people saying, can you take me off the call list? I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Understood that completely. People were tired of politics. But now we've seen things almost take a violent turn. Yeah. People would be like, I'm for this person. If like we saw people wearing back in 2015, they wore a red MAGA hat. They were attacked mm-hmm. for no reason other than that. So is there a way that that can be righted? Can that be fixed? And a lot of people just want nothing to do with politics. How do you get those people like, let's talk about that and let's get it fixed. Well, you probably saw, I mean, you worked on the Trump campaign. So. Um, I mean, i I've worked on multiple campaigns in multiple states, Maryland, Delaware, um, Virginia, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, when it comes to, as you talk about violence or, or, or those type of things, I've been at rallies where, you know, you, uh, you've been, I've been screamed at for supporting Donald Trump and called obscenities and things like that. It does happen, you know. Um, I think that the, the thing that I've always told anybody involved in a protest or a rally or anything like that, you know, someone that's at the grassroots level, especially on our side, is, you know, Make your point heard, you know, on an issue and go home. Like, don't end up in handcuffs. Don't do anything stupid, you know, because you will get arrested. And guess what? Nobody's going to help you. And so, like, the other side, they've got lawyers from unions that will bail them out, like what happened during the riots in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that at the local level, though, like, you know, running for county executive and county council out here in Wakamako, we haven't seen... We've knocked on a lot of doors, all three of us, and there hasn't been, there's been some, you know, hey, I don't support Andy Harris, get off my lawn, a little bit of that. But for the most part, people have been friendly and cordial, and we've met a lot of amazing people knocking on doors around this county. Um, So, you know, you get your, yeah, you know, knuckleheads that, you know, give you a little hard time. But, you know, for the most part, it's we're not seeing that, thankfully, here on the campaign trail, violence or anything like that. 
I think politics right now is just polarizing and it's a very popular topic. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that the people kind of running, I mean, and I think, I mean, Donald Trump did that. You know what I mean? He kind of made it popular, you know, to be involved with politics, whether it was good or bad. Right. Um, but I think also, I think it's going to be how you lead. And I think that's the way you fix it. I don't think that we're going to be able to fix it from the candidate level. But I think when you get in there and you show that you can work with both sides and that a lot of these issues, like I was saying, are nonpartisan issues. Mm. Like I said, everybody wants good roads. Everybody wants good schools. Everybody, you know. And I think if you show that and you show that unbiased when you're leading, I think that that I think that that sort of speaks volumes. And not that, you know, with me being, a, I mean, and I consider myself a conservative Republican, um, not that my ideals are not going to be, you know, like my fiscal ideas especially, like are not going to be, you know, shown through that administration. But I think, you know, when they see us making good strides and make, doing good things for the county, I think that that will help. Yeah. And it has to start small. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the local or the, the national level is just insane at this right. point. And I think that you really do need to start it here. I mean, would you agree? Yeah, I uh, I think we're gonna have to do a lot of uh, you know praying. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna need all the help we can get, mm-hmm. and uh, you know whether you believe in God or not. I mean, we do, and uh, you know He's gotten us this far, and and that's you know we're not gonna be able to solve this at like Julie said a candidate level because there's nothing we can do to to make people happy. Um, right. The, you know, you have to find that in yourself and. And all we can do is try and do the best we can to to make everyone happy. And regardless if we do that or not, we're still going to be hated and we're still going to get slandered at. And all we can do is just keep our head down and and keep doing the right thing. And hopefully one day we'll all we'll all come out on this on top and uh, what we'll, we'll, cooler heads will prevail. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good point about bringing up praying about uh, the decisions that are made. That has been under attack probably for 30-plus years now. Right. You have the fact that people want prayer eliminated from schools, the Ten Commandments eliminated from schools, and now all this nonsense is being added into it. And it's like, you take out the Word of God, you lose the morality. Yeah. And we're seeing that uh, more and more. And it's kind of scary what is going on. And... I know that a lot of Christians don't want to talk about politics. Yeah, I don't blame but, them. But but to me, I'm thinking, mm. if you want to make a difference, you have to at least be willing to hear. And then there comes a time when you have to say no. That's enough. We're not going to capitulate to every single demand that they are doing. And I see that happen all the time. Like, oh, I don't want to get into an argument. Like, so you're letting them win. And that's what I think a lot of Republicans do. They're like, I don't want to get into it. And then they get their way, and then everything goes to hell in a handbasket, more or less. Yeah, and I well, and I kind of agree with that. Um, the one good thing is that I think that we've stepped up. I think we've kind of removed the wool from the eyes at this point, you know. And I think whatever the case may be, I mean, you have people who are thirty years old or forty years old running for you know a pretty big important office, and we've got people running for school board, and and we just knew that we had to do something. You yeah. know what I mean? And so. This is what we knew to do. You know what I mean? The, the yelling or the fighting or the arguing or complaining or just sitting and talking about it wasn't working anymore. And so I think that a lot of people like appreciate those efforts. You know what I mean? Of us kind of standing up and saying, okay, well, we're going to make a difference and this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I used to be a pretty good keyboard warrior back in the day <laughs> until I uh, until about a year and a half ago when I said I can't do this anymore. We, right. we we've got to uh, get off the couch and we've got to put the phone down and we've got to turn off mainstream media. Yes. And look around. Open your eyes. We've got problems right in our own front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time that we we roll the sleeves up. And, and, and put the work gloves on so we can get to work because, you know, if we don't do anything now, if we stop and we just sit on our hands and say, you know what, you know, the, it, it's not worth, it's, this isn't worth our time, you know, or the, the elections, you know, we can't, we're not going to be able to win these elections, you know, if we're just going to go ahead and let doubt and fear rule our lives, then, then we might as well just give up now, throw in the towel. But us three up here and, and everyone else running, uh, pay attention to them because they're not letting fear and doubt run their life. They're out here. We're working hard. We are trying to make a difference. And, and I hope everyone here listening here tonight can see that and hear that and think about us on November 8th and vote for us because we can't do this without your vote. We need your vote. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be out here on this microphone right now talking to you if I didn't need your vote. The importance of that, I mean, you know, look, we can put all the plans and ideas together on public safety, on education, the economy, you know, how to how to grow the jobs and, and the, you know, but, you know, if you don't win, get elected, then all for nothing. And, you know, and what we've seen here in Macomico County is, you know, if, if these two don't win, you know, the other side is kind of the status quo here in Macomico County, yeah. stagnant, not going anywhere, and kind of the same old, same old, and we need desperately this county needs to change that this county should be leading this region and worcester county's part-time commissioners are running circles around a a full-time county executive i've never seen across the bridge that doesn't happen in because i'm from montgomery county originally okay that doesn't happen in montgomery county that doesn't happen in prince george's county that doesn't happen in baltimore county that's happening here though with a full-time county executive compared to worcester and somerset who has part-time commissioners yeah with, with the county executive form, that gives us an extreme amount of uh, freedom in Wacomico County. We're, lab- we're able to do things right now with the county form, county executive form of government. We, we're able to pa- make sure we can pass legislation now. We don't have to wait till uh, it, it, our, our, our Maryland General Assembly goes into session. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of power we, c- we have here. And, uh, you know, and we're the only ones on the Eastern Shore with that authority. Mm-hmm. And, and we should be exactly what Dan said. We should be taking the mantle and, and, and running with this torch. And uh, we should be definitely being the leaders of the Eastern Shore. And yeah. we have the capacity and we have we have the tools to do it. We just need the people in place that understand the roles of county executive form of government. And I think we have that candidate here tonight. Uh, we just need to get her elected, and we need to get myself elected. We need to get everyone that is working as hard as we are elected. And, and you know, this whole county can really take a 180-degree turn overnight. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. This county has a port, an airport, a stadium, a civic center, you know, all these resources, two, um, world, two universities, Warwick and, and Salisbury. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much potential to use the, utilize these assets to generate more jobs and revenue for the county. So you don't have to increase, you know, property taxes like some people want to do with the revenue cap. No, we want to grow the jobs and the revenue and utilize these resources. And yeah. it's not happening under the, under the current leadership in this county, unfortunately, at the local level. Gotcha. And that has to change. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the average salary is, what, 30000 a person, and households around over a little over 60000 
we, we've got to bring this up. We've got to bring jobs in, in this county that are going to pay people more money. That That's going to be the tide that raises all ships. And yeah. That, you know, we're going to see quality of life improve. People are going to go to the movies because they can afford it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to go out to eat more. We're going to be able to enjoy our lives more because we're going to have more money and more wealth. And, and ultimately, that's what we want. We want a better quality well, of life. That that really all depends on how the national inflation is. Well, <laughs> we, you know, we can only do what we right. Can do. I mean, that that's on the local level. The national inflation is over eight percent over last right. year, which was higher than the year before. It's well, like, just think about this: if we don't win, uh, think of how much worse it can oh yeah. be. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, I understand that. You know, one of the things that's so important, you're talking about the national level, the, you know, like Annapolis and Washington, you know, that's why active local leadership is important to help steer the ship through those challenges from inflation. When Congress passes a law or they pass a law in Annapolis, the state legislature, you have, a, you know, a firewall, a county executive that says, hey, these taxes and regulations are harming small businesses and working families in my county. And I'm not going to be silent on it. I'm going to go down to Annapolis. I'm going to testify against it. I'm going to set a letter against it. I'm going to do my part to show that, hey, I stood up for this county and I stood up for the people, you know, and I didn't just, you know, I was proactive and not reactive. And and currently, I'd say the leadership in this county is very reactive. It's not proactive. And we've been changing that. I'll give you an example. Just so some active local leadership, what we did was there was a a public service commission on um, Delmarva Power, you know, Julie, you know, I'm her campaign manager, so we, me, her, the team, we, we saw this and said, hey, you know, there was, a, there was a, a hearing on it, Public Service Commission, and they wanted to increase the rates, um, 6%, I think it was. I think it was 6 Yeah, and so on top of a 6% increase just several years ago. And so with all these folks, you know, small businesses and so many people, you've got small businesses in the, in the city that can't afford to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to jack their, their, um, their energy rates. So we sent a letter of, you know, against it. We sent a letter and a call to action to the county council and to the delegation in Annapolis and to Andy Harris. And that set off that um, the county council president, John Cannon, said to us, well, I thought this was a done deal. And I said, no, county council president, it's not a done deal. And he said, yeah, we're going to send a letter against it. Congressman Harris ended up sending a letter against it, and so did Julie. So, like, we we started something with a call to action on that, and people took action. And, they, you know, and the Congressman Harris sent a letter to the Public Service Commission saying, this is not the right time to be raising energy rates to our power on so many working families and small businesses that are hurting. Yeah. So that's what active local leadership looks like, people coming together and taking action on an issue like that. I think um, from the candidate level, I think it's just as important to show what kind of leader you're going to be mm-hmm. and what you plan to be. And so, and that's kind of where that letter, you know, came in. And so we're out, you know, again, as I said, you know, meeting with small businesses, asking them, you know, what are ways that we can help you? Like, you know, asking citizens, you know, what are some things that are bothering you? What would you like to see? And I think that that's, you know, super important, even at this point, even not being elected, because I think when you're asking those people, not just for their vote, but what can I do to help you when mm-hmm. I am elected? I think that they appreciate that. Yeah. So. so switching gears just a little bit. Sure. We've seen in the last year and a half crimes on the shore hit new levels. And in large part, I'm referring to the murder of Corporal Keith E. Cook in Del Mar in the spring of 2021. And then just this past June, Sheriff's Deputy Glenn Hillard. I never heard of these guys until their unfortunate deaths and everything. But people everywhere came to mourn them. But has anything been done to eliminate crimes like these from being ever committed again? And can the Office of County Executive help in those areas? 
Yeah, so um, it's kind of like what Dan said. Um, oh gosh, yeah, those were those were t- two rough spells here on the shore. Um, first off, yes, the county executive uh, can stand up, and and again, these are just regulations. You know, that um, legislation that came down against our officers was all reactive legislation yep. uh, based on what happened with George Floyd. And um, I don't care what the topic is; any reactive legislation mm-hmm. is typically not great legislation. Right. So um, we've actually talked about this. You know, I am very pro-law enforcement. Um, James and I both actually have uh, the endorsement of the FOP, and I was endorsed by Sheriff Mike Lewis and Sheriff Chris Afoli. Um, And um, so law enforcement knows where we stand with them. First responders know where we stand with them. And so they know that as the county executive, we are going to be an active voice. Um, I don't love this police accountability board um, that's been formed. Um, I I didn't even know about that. Yeah, so um, it's part of legislation um, that came forward. It was in the larger bill, uh, Mm -hmm. right? That was in like a bigger piece. Go ahead. The the police reform bills that were passed out of Annapolis um, two years ago now? Two years ago. Um, And, you know, they were just... And I worked in the state legislature for Maryland State Delegate Dan Cox, who's now running for governor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was on that committee. So I sat through many hours of committee hearings listening to that. And I was on phone calls with many police officers and sheriffs all saying, these bills are horrible. They're going to ruin our profession. Mm-hmm. I, I said, yeah, you're empowering criminality. That's mm-hmm. what we said the whole time. You are, going, you are empowering criminals and crime is going to increase in the state. And that's exactly what's happened. Prince George's County passed a curfew on youth because the youth is out of control committing crimes. Carjackings in Montgomery County have never been higher. Yeah. Baltimore City is on track for 300 plus homicides for the eighth straight year. Baltimore County has never been more dangerous. The point is, and then obviously down here on the shore, Baltimore City's problems showed up in your back, our backyard when they let a guy out robbing a McDonald's at gunpoint up there. He comes down here and murders a deputy when he should yeah. have been locked up behind bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember... Uh, Seeing the sheriff, he was lit up with that. And I don't blame him. I mean, he lost one of his long-term deputies on that day. And the guy, like you said, should have been locked up Mm -hmm. for a robbing a McDonald's. Yeah. I think um, when I speak to the deputies, you know, they know the legislation is horrific. um, But they also know that they... uh, I'm hoping, you know, in 15 days when I'm elected, I can try to be positive. Um, but, um, yeah, it's only 15 days. But when we're elected, they know that they have, you know, people that are going to stand for them. Yeah. And if the death of Glenn Hilliard, especially, I mean, e- even with Cook as well, I think the silver lining, if you can come up with a silver lining on that, is our officers saw a community stand behind them Mm -hmm. and that we are a county of law and order. We are a county that backs the blue. We are a county that wants our streets safe and wants our schools safe and wants our kids safe and that we back our deputies and our officers. And so I hate the fact that an officer had to lose his life. And I went to that funeral and I hope it was the most sobering, amazing thing, but I hope I never have to go to another one. Right. Um, but I do hope that they know that and they see that. And at the executive level, Annapolis comes down hardcore on our police officers. And I hope that they know that they have somebody that is going to stand with them. Right. And that we can get people in our legislation that are going to say absolutely not that I'm going to be a vote for law enforcement every single time. Um, and I think that they trust. I mean, I think that's why they put their endorsement in us <clears> and why they trust us. And so, um, you know, we will always stand for law enforcement. Yeah. And so, yes, you can. So long story short, yes, you can make a stand. Um, you're not going to be able to necessarily change regulation, but you can at least take a stand in your county to say we will not stand for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what they're coming down. And, with, and but. people, you know, I believe next session in Annapolis, without question, 
the next county executive needs of this county and in Worcester and Somerset, the commissioners, you know, everybody needs, we need a bill on mandatory minimum sentences for repeat violent offenders. Absolutely. And people need to testify and come to droves and yeah. send letters and testify because that's how you pass it. That's how you kill bills. That's, I've seen it. I saw gun bills get killed because thousands of people went down to Annapolis the first year. It was the first time I met Mike, Sheriff Mike Lewis, and he wore an I Will Not Comply shirt. And thousands of Marylanders ticked off about getting kicked in the teeth mm -hmm. for, for their Second Amendment rights testified against these gun bills. It went till 4 in the morning, and they killed the gun bills because wow. that's thousands of people would not go home until their voices were heard. Yeah. So it was amazing. You guys have already alluded to it, but a large portion of these attacks on cops came from the death of George Floyd. I have been a skeptic of that entire instance probably since two days after I saw the initial video. I was like, there's more to this. I know this. I have seen it multiple times already. But in this case, it just seemed like there was a firestorm. Mm -hmm. And we saw cops across the country being attacked. People putting up these black squares, which to me, I'm just going to say, and this might offend people or not, they don't do Jack Diddley squat. Right. Putting up a black square or a hashtag doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It is literally just for clicks and likes on social media. That is just my opinion. I think Brush talked about that one time when it was the uh, bring back our girls. I'm like, yeah, that's going to do a lot unless you send guys in with guns to take out the bad guys. Right. But with... The attacks on cops. I remember seeing a video, and I sent this to a um, more liberal-leaning friend of mine. I was like, the, the attacks on the cops in Chicago, like attacking a Columbus statue, and they were throwing rocks, ice, and everything. I'm like, would you have seen this on the news? No, you wouldn't have. And he was like, uh, you're right. I have, would not have seen this otherwise had you not sent it to me. So is there anything to help fix that scenario because one bad cop does one thing and all cops are blamed well, so the you got to follow the money in the narrative the narrative in 2020 was there was an election yeah the narrative in yeah. 2020 was you know we need a way to raise a lot of money and you know there was actually a good documentary that just came out on daily wire by candace owens about the 90 million dollars that went to blm yeah and where the money went yeah. And money did not go to nope. where they said it was You look going. at those communities, and they're so still I, in I, terrible shape. I think shape. that, you, you know, follow the money. That's yeah. all I have to, that's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I think, I think that's a hard, it's, a, it's such a larger, you know what I mean, issue than what we're facing here. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm hoping, you know, with that, you're just kind of leading by example. Um, but again, um, I feel grateful, even though our crime is rising, but I do feel grateful to live in Wacomico County because, again, we are a county that backs the blue. We are a right. county that wants right. law and order. When I saw the amount of people out there hugging our officers, you know what I mean, knowing that, you know, what they had just gone through. I mean, I think that that was more refreshing and, um, you know, heartwarming to me seeing that. Um, but again, I think it's just going to be, again, like getting the right leaders in there to take a stand. Um, and... You know, what happened with George Floyd, you're right. I mean, there was so much more to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much to that story. 
And, you know, unfortunately, again, but when when people are upset, again, reactive legislation happens. This is where this police accountability board comes in. Um, You know, the thing that's so frustrating is, you know, when when there's a doctor accountability board, it's a bunch of doctors. Yeah. When there's a lawyer accountability board, it's lawyers because they know the field. All of a sudden now with police officers, they need a 40 hour course and they're citizens. And they're determining, you know, and deciphering, you know, the moves of our officers, you know, in a split second decision. Yeah. And it's it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I think the police accountability board and, and I'm OK with accountability, but the right. police accountability board, the way that they did it again, we're building the plane as we fly it. And we're talking about people who put on bulletproof vests every single day. Just as you 70, Sam, it w- does not end well if uh, you're building a plane as you fly it. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Did you want to add yeah, I'm I'm with Julie on this. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not a big fan of this uh, police accountability board. It's a uh, it, what what it's going to do. It's going to be the start of the destruction of public safety in our country, and it and it it already has started. We need to be react. We we need not be reactive, but we need to be ahead of the curve on fixing this and making it so that it's fair for our police officers. Because right now it's it's like a Monday morning quarterback. I mean, yeah. we've got we've got people sitting behind the TV and they're telling they're yelling at the television and they're saying, "Hey, look, that the quarterback should have done that. I can rewind it and I'll play it again and I'll rewind <laughs> it and I'll play it again and on Monday morning when I go to work, I'm going to talk to all my buddies on what the what that uh what the quarterback screwed up with. And at that time, if you put yourself in the, in the shoes, it, we'll flip it around. If you put yourself in the shoes of that quarterback, the quarterback's a professional, right? Yep. That police officer is what? He's a professional. Yep. They both work very hard. They're very, they're, they're driven. They're, they feel like they're doing the right thing. And that, that quarterback is going to do the best he can at that split second decision, yep. just like a police officer. And he may have thrown an interception. <clears throat> he may have made a touchdown, but he did the best he could with what he had at yep. that circumstance. And, and I don't see much of a difference between the two because they, they're both professionals, yeah. and it's and it's both instant reactions, and it's instinctive. And, and, and if we if we go ahead and let this police accountability board run us over like a freight train, we're going to lose police officers left and right. I've got friends that have left the police force. Mm-hmm. I know police officers that are trying to get out of the police force. If we let this continue the railroad through, if it lasts for years and years and we don't do anything about it, we're not going to have public safety. And that should scare everyone because rising crime is happening. Yeah. I was just talking to the post lady in Mardella Springs when I got my mail and she said everybody's garage was broken into this this week. That's a problem and that's in Mardella Springs, people. Yeah. So if that right happens the there, that's going to happen in your backyard. So we have to we have to get behind our elected officials and let them know that we are not going to take this. We right. need to get behind them and 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 do what we can to change this and what we're seeing too is you know you're seeing this in a lot of major cities like baltimore and obviously even in salisbury this soft on crime approach and you know i've talked to some business owners a few business owners in salisbury that have said that you know at night there's parts of the city it's not safe to be around that businesses are wanting to leave because there's a and there's a lot of riffraff just hanging around outside the buildings and of course the mayor is trying to do something with the pallet home community that's coming out to alleviate some of that. We'll see if that works. But, you know, and then, you know, it's a contrast to Sheriff Lewis, who obviously believes law, order, and justice. You do the crime, you do the time. Yeah. You know, so, and, you know, obviously he tells his deputies, hey, you know, if you see someone breaking the law, yeah, put him in jail. You know, Jake Day, you know, it's 
well, be respectful to them, you know, shoplifting from a from a store because somehow that's a victimless crime. But what we're seeing in major cities like Philadelphia, for example, stores are being looted left and right yeah. and they're going out of business. So it's yeah. not a victimless crime when you're putting a, a business out of business and people are losing their jobs and you see the price of goods go up because there's less competition. Yeah, well, we saw that also during the riots. I mean, in Minneapolis, people were running out of targets with TVs and they're like, yeah. you're going to pay for that? Mm. I couldn't leave without paying for that. So they're going to come along and collect money for it, and then they're accused of stealing. It's like, uh, no, you stole the TV, so I'm going to get the money for it, basically. It's how it should have been, or then knock them on the head. <laughs> right. um, so we've been covering a lot of heavy topics, so I want to just lighten the mood a little bit. Um, what are like your favorite style of music, and your, maybe say your top three favorite bands? if I even had time to listen to music, you know? <laughs> um, I, you know, I have such an eclectic taste. I don't know if I have, like, a favorite. My favorite band all of all time, probably I have two, is, like, 38 Special and Journey. Okay. So those are my two faves, I would think. Um, I can listen to their songs and, like, never really get tired of it. Um, so I'm more of, like, that, I guess, like, late 80s, early uh, 90s person. Yeah. But I do, yeah, I mean, I guess it's because when I grew up. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I grew up in the same era about because Julie and I are about the same age, but the '90s, I was about, I think, twelve. You know, sixth grade, fifth grade is when I really found my music stride. I started watching MTV regularly because I thought it was cool. Or you wanted to be cool. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, yeah, right, right, exactly. And and so bands like you know like Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots, all that you know, people Nirvana um, certainly was incredible. I was a big Metallica fan. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I've seen them live. Um, uh, yeah, I would say Metallica is my favorite rock band. Um, big fan. And, and Guns N' Roses. Okay. Yeah. What about you, country? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, actually, uh, you know, for the past couple of years, all I have in my uh, truck radio is uh, 88.7 The Bridge. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think I'd ever really like it, but I, I listen to it every day when I'm driving. Uh-huh. Uh, when I'm working out, I like to listen to workout music. Upbeat, hip-hop. But, you know, when I'm working on the job side, I, I, I have uh, the Jason Aldean playlist on, mm. on Spotify, and that he's literally the only one I listen to on there. And it's, it's kind of funny, because uh, there's a lot of good artists out there, but for some reason, I just like to listen to, to his music. I always was a fan of his when he first started playing in about 2005. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy's going to go somewhere. And my God, he's got so many albums now. And, yeah. and he's still putting them out. And I, I want to go to one of his concerts. I, I, I've never been. And uh, one of these days. <laughs> so just uh, for a fun, uh, fun fact for the three of us. We spent so much time together. We've, we've actually done a karaoke contest. <laughs> so we, had, we had some fun at, uh, at Ocean Downs several months yeah. back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, back before the campaign got hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had time to breathe. Well, uh, for country music, have you ever heard of Sons of the Pioneers? No. That They were one of the original country groups. Oh, okay. So you have Roy Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. one of the founding members of that. They were in the beginning 30s. Um, wow. So... I, that's my style of country music. I mean, I'm not a big uh, electric sound for country. Right. I like guitars, fiddles, and like the stand-up bass. Gotcha. That that that's how to me country really sounded. Um, like early Johnny Cash, oh, yeah, Johnny yeah, Horton. Johnny Cash. Uh, but Sons of the Pioneers. Okay. If you like country music, check them out. I, man, I tell you what, I, I I listen to all kinds of country. I I used to listen to. 
Like all the way, like I put Johnny Cash on Pandora. Uh-huh. And I just yeah. listened to the whole thing, and then Hank Williams, the, yeah. the first one, yeah, and then Hank Jr. and then you know, just just try them all out. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, you can't really knock it until you listen to it. And, exactly. And you have, I, I keep trying to tell people yeah. that, and they don't listen to me. <laughs> and, and, and you have to appreciate that style of music for when it was, because yep. they didn't have autocorrect, they nope. didn't have replays. They, they had those records. Yeah, they had records, and. and they were all. They had to do it all in the studio, so they had to do a lot of replays, and they. It was a lot of practice, a lot of time. It's not like today, where where you can just say a few words and do a remix, and boom, it's done. No, <laughs> yeah. today, back then, they 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 put a lot of time, oh, yeah. a lot of effort into it, and they made it successful. They did a lot of good work. Yeah. So, uh, how about movies? Do you go for like classic movies, or do you go for like the newer movies coming out? For me, um, I am more of a Netflix person. Okay. Um, but I am going to tell you, I am obsessed with the new Top Gun. I mean, I love the oh, Top yeah, Gun. That, 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 movie, that movie is good. That movie yeah, is good. I love the new Top Gun. Um, but yeah, again, and it's, you know, I wish I had um, time to go see, like, a really good, like, chick flick, you know, movie. I just don't have the time. But right. but yeah, no, I think my the latest movie that I just saw was Top Gun, and it was amazing. And yeah, I that, that it, was so, good. Yeah. James and I actually saw Top Gun together, right, and right. we were walking into the we were walking into the theater when I yelled out, "We got the knee full speed!" Right. <laughs> that was yeah, that was um, that was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I did go see the Elvis movie as well recently. Oh, how that was, how was that? that? It was good. Yeah, I thought Walk the Line was better. I thought the the movie about um, Freddie Mercury was a little better, but it was good though. Yeah, um, um, I love the Freddie Freddie oh, Mercury yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, so good. And, um, I'm not as big of a Queen fan, right. but I watched it. And it was like, yeah, it was all right yeah. to me, but I'm not a huge Queen fan. I like some of their music, but I'm not like diehard Queen. Right. But so. like a like a movie though, I could watch anytime I see it on is Terminator Two, one of the best right. action movies ever made. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen any of that either. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> I think uh, one of my favorite well uh, directors and actors is Mel Gibson. Mm. Uh, I I love Braveheart. Braveheart. I, yeah. I, you know what? I I, I was he watching. Did Passion of the Christ. He did yeah. Passion yeah. of the Christ. Yeah. And I can tell you something about Braveheart. You know, if you want an idea of how politics really are, watch Braveheart <laughs> and watch watch the political scenes. In yeah. it because it's you know Mel Gibson was a genius. He took he took what was happening in, you know in our actual lives right now, and he he portrayed it back in time to to how they were doing things with the nobles and, and, and the kings and everything. And you know, it, it's really the similarities are scary. Don't but, trust Robert the Bruce. Right? Yeah, I know. And, That's right. And I could tell the you, senior. Another <laughs> a, a good movie. You know, another one by Mel Gibson. Well, of course, we were soldiers, but oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. but uh, the Patriot. Yes. Oh, yeah. If yes. if you yeah. want to, you know, have butterflies in your stomach, and you want to be, you know, nothing makes you more proud of your country than watching the Patriot. I mean, yeah. nothing. I I could watch that almost every other day. You know, because it's. It's such a good movie. It, it is, you know. And I enjoy that movie. I, I love it. I don't know what else it, to say. When, when he's riding it with the flag, that yeah, like, oh, ooh, that's, that's like, awesome. That's my favorite scene. We don't, yeah, there aren't. They don't make a lot of good movies. Like you no. watch a lot of the stuff today. No. It's just like I don't know. It's, it's just, just you know maybe because we're just getting older and you're like, well, back in my day, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like but like there's a reason why Top Gun made a billion dollars because yeah. people were just so fed up with like these bad movies and it was yeah. like, it was like nostalgia. But, but thankfully, they actually it actually delivered. Like they, oh, yeah. they didn't screw it up. Yeah. So. so when do you start playing Christmas music? Oh, 
Are you, are you one of those uh, after Thanksgiving I, only? Or? My husband is. He <laughs> loves Christmas music. Oh, my gosh. He will start it November 1st. Like, he starts November 1st, and I have to listen to it with him. <laughs> um, for me personally, I'm good um, just a couple days probably before Christmas, during oh, really? Christmas and after. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> but, but I do listen to it a lot, but it's because it's more forced upon me. Like I said, November 1st, he will have Christmas music on. My husband loves Christmas he wants the tree up, you know, before Thanksgiving. I am definitely an after Thanksgiving tree person. And December 26th, I want the tree down. <laughs> but it's, yeah. I get annoyed when I go to a store in October and it's not even Halloween and I see Christmas stuff. I'm like, you know. I'll say that early October is a little early. Yeah. I just went to uh, Sam's Club with my girlfriend to go get tr- trunk or treat candy, you know. And, uh. They already had trees up, man. Like, have, you, have you been to Walmart? What? You know? No, the, I haven't. The, the, their garden section is Christmas. Oh, and I'm like, I, I texted a friend of mine. We both love Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, um, Walmart has their Christmas stuff up because yeah. that's too early. And we both love maybe, Christmas. Maybe yeah. they maybe they should pass a law to not have Christmas stuff up until after Thanksgiving. You may not get as many votes if no, you do no, that. No, no. <laughs> For all those uh, Christmas enthusiasts, it's each. It, we love you. I mean, hey, I listen to Christmas music year round. Yeah. So, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, I was listening to Bing Crosby yesterday. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So, oh, all right. Best Christmas movie to watch on Christmas. Um, the Griswold movie. That's that's right. one that my family definitely. Is that is that a, uh, a Christmas story? Yeah, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. My I, favorite I, is the Grinch. <laughs> well, which one? Jim Carrey. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I, I mean, everybody loves the classic cartoon, but right. I love the Jim Carrey. Oh, Jim Carrey's one yeah. is probably yes. one of the funniest. Yes. I'm, I love watching It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle yes. on 34th yeah. Street. Yeah. Uh, they're actually bringing that to theaters. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh, wow. uh, Fathom Events in early December, they bring, they've been bringing back classic movies, yeah. Yeah. and they're bringing It's a Wonderful Life back in December. Well, so that's oh, gonna that's be nice. cool. That's going to be like... Uh, Almost 80 years since that movie came out. That's awesome. That's hard to believe. <laughs> that is hard to believe. That's awesome. Um, Such a good movie. Oh, yeah. And actually, to me, that's one of the best movies to watch for people who have like suicidal thoughts. I'm like, yeah, watch this movie. You're absolutely right. Watch this movie and oh, you yeah. will not want to do it because yeah. you will see the type of mm-hmm. impact every life has. Right. Um, so, who is your favorite president? <laughs> okay. I have two. Okay. Yeah. My top absolute favorite is Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Um, just because of what he accomplished. I mean, he won 49 out of 50 states. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so re-election. Like that, right. re-election. Yeah. That, that but I was happened. so young, uh-huh. you know, obviously, you know, when he was president. But just seeing um, everybody sort of reflects back to him. And they say, like, I'm a Ronald Reagan Republican. Yeah. I'm this type of Republican. But, I mean, I... I don't even mind saying it on this podcast. I was with Donald Trump on Monday night. So, oh, nice. Yeah. You're lucky. So, I, I want to yeah. get a chance to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I was at Mar-a-Lago on Monday night. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was very cool. Um, it was, you know, and seeing him um, actually out of the presidential role and more of a, hey, welcome to my house type thing. And he was very welcoming and kind. And um, um, but, you know, I just have to, you know, when you look at um, personality wise, I know that, you know, there's probably some, you know, people have 
their thoughts about him. But um, just policy. I miss mm-hmm. his policy. Oh, I yeah, miss yeah. $2 gas. I miss, oh, yes. I miss not spending, you know, $300 every week at the grocery store. So I miss that. And so I have to look at it as, you know, setting that personality aside and the rhetoric and things like that aside and look at policy. Yeah. And I would probably say the two of them yeah. um, are probably my I think talk. a lot of people would these days. Yeah, I, I'll echo kind of her th- same thing. Ronald Reagan, I've watched a lot of, you know, videos and speeches and mm-hmm. what an incredible, the way he delivered speeches was incredible. And if you want to, um, I think one of the, and not that I'm the biggest fan of him anymore, George H.W. Bush, but one of the best speeches about Ronald Reagan I've ever watched was his funeral given mm-hmm. by George H.W. Bush. And it really depicted who Ronald Reagan was. Yeah. Uh, and um, obviously, yes, Donald Trump, I mean, you know, without question, personality, <laughs> but man, who fought for us? Who fought for the the, the forgotten people? Who fought for blue collar? Who fought yeah. for regular people to bring back manufacturing jobs, to bring jobs back to this country and stop getting ripped off by China and, and, and globalists? Donald Trump took them on. A billionaire. Yeah. A guy who didn't have to do this. Yeah. A guy who could have got, sold you know another book or he could open up another golf course or done something to make a lot more money. But finally he said, you know, I know it's wrong. And it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I can fix it because I have the ability. And I don't care if they attack me. I, yeah. you know, I can stand up to it. And he has. And he did. Well, not just stand up to him. Yeah, he held it right back right at right him. Back. <laughs> so, I mean, the policies were, were, were amazing. And, you know, what we see now, yeah, oh, Joe Biden's a nice guy. He doesn't tweet. Well, who cares? You got $4 a gallon gas and people are paying a fortune at the grocery store and people can barely afford their rent and to pay their electric bill right Biden now. Biden can even yeah. barely so, speak. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like to sound like an echo chamber. And I think that's why we get along. But, uh, you know, we, uh, I used to listen, well, that's something we're going to talk about, but yep. uh, Rush used to call him Ronaldus Maximus. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, that. Or <clears throat> Ronaldus Magnus. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean, but. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he definitely inspired a lot of people, and uh, you know, he, he turned the economy around. Yeah, definitely. He, did, he turned it around. He brought interest rates down. He put people back to work. Uh, I see the same thing with Trump, but he, he was a lot. More, he was really aggressive. Now we did see like uh, high inflation back with Reagan, but he right. got it under control. Well, he had like he, he had good people around him who was like, yeah. all right, we're gonna have to jump it up, and then we'll bring it back down. But it has to get. Jacked up high. I feel like when Republicans are in control, of the, the you know, I just feel we're we're heading in the right direction. And you know, I am a Republican, so of course I'm I'm saying that. But, but right. But uh, when you know when Trump was president, he might have been annoying to some people. He didn't annoy me. I I I loved it. You know, yeah. I loved the mean tweets. You yeah. Know? I mean, um, I had yeah. lots of people come up to me and be like, "The tweets? Why has he got a tweet?" I'm like. Well, if the media at least gave him a fair shake, yeah. then maybe he wouldn't tweet so much. Yeah. It, it, he used it as a, as a platform, and he knew that, like, if he tweeted something, they would run to that. Yep. Yeah. And, and, then then he, he, and then he'd get something done exactly. while they're all, exactly. you know, right. fixating on his tweet. You know, yep. and so, like, and, and, you know, it's interesting. You know, they said, well, you know, the tweeting will stop and we'll get back to normal. Well, Donald Trump started trade wars and Twitter wars. Joe right. Biden has started real wars. Yeah, like like they just deployed troops to Eastern Europe right I heard, now. I heard it's about getting, that. You know, things are getting worse between uh, Russia and and um, and Ukraine. It's and like, I'll it, it's I'll not say about better. that. I don't think anyone expected Ukraine to put up as much of a fight and last as long as they did. Right. right. I thought 
two weeks, they're done. If yeah. Trump was president, that never would have happened. happened. Exactly, it exactly. Never, we wouldn't be talking about it. And oil prices wouldn't be no. what they but, are. You know, that's the way it is. And I can tell you right now, if Trump was our president right now, you wouldn't be talking to me or Julie right, right. now. Right, exactly. Because, I mean, that's part of the fire, man. That's, that's what was yeah. that was the, the that was the match that struck the kerosene. Yep. And uh, you know that that's why we're here because we are full of fuel and we don't like being walked over. And that's what happened. Yeah. That, that's what's happening. Yeah. And the reason why that's happening is because we've got people that don't really understand or they do understand the the the, the rules of this nation. But they refuse to obey them, and they just go and trample all over them. Mm-hmm. We actually understand the rules. You know, we've got elected officials that just, you know, that mandates. Mandate this, mandate that. If you're a governor, you can't mandate anything. That's not, you can't do that. That's right. the legislative branch. They're right. supposed to do that. So we've got people that don't really understand the, the, the rules here, and they're just they're just doing what they want. And... Uh, that's why we're here. Yeah, I mean, it, you you see, you know, when 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 your elected officials are not doing what they're, you know, and there's, I'm not saying I can't paint them all with a broad brush. There are some that are fighting in Annapolis. There are some that are fighting in Washington, and thank goodness for them. But you know, there's too many of them that are just sitting on, you know, sitting on their quo. hands. And and yeah, and and it's frustrating. And you know, we elect Republicans, and we say, hey, stand up for what you know we believe. And you know, sometimes they're worried about other things, you know, agendas and things, and that's what politics is. And, you know, yep. I, saw, I saw it in Annapolis for four years, you know, um, um, but it, it's, it is frustrating, like he says. And, you know, at the end of the day, all you can do, pay attention. Don't put your head in the sand. Read as much as you can. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of good – there's garbage on the Internet, but mm-hmm. there's really good stuff on the Internet. Yeah. yeah. Big plug for Daily Wire. That's, yeah. That's my go-to. That <laughs> was gold standard for me. Yeah, but, um, yeah. You know, the um, – you know, the um, – <laughs> You know, and who's, um, but the point is, is yeah, get informed and learn because, you know, if you don't, you know, they want you to, you know, hey, who cares? You know, I know the guy that won on American Idol. Well, whoop de doo. Do you know who your governor is? Do you know who your county exactly. exactly. Do you know who your county council person is? They're the ones affecting your life, not that false idol on TV, you know, but, you know, that those are the distractions that, that we all, and look, I've watched American Idol, not, not that I didn't enjoy it, but I also know who the governor of my state is, too. You know, I think most people yeah. only watched American Idol when Simon would just be like, "No, you Simon suck. was the oh, I love Simon. <laughs> well, and when Jay Copeland was on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Good plug. Um, sort switching back to a more serious topic with the topic of education. So, a lot of things have been pushed into the education system, and it's kind of scary what they're forcing on kids these days. Is there a way to talk about politics in the classroom in a non-biased way? Uh, Ronald Reagan in history class, which is scary to think about in history class, but talk about his uh, policies as opposed to Jimmy Carter's. Everyone who can remember back to that time knows Jimmy Carter sucked as president. Uh, but they at least can say, here's what he got wrong, here's what he got right, that type of thing. Can that be returned to today in today's climate? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, I've taught English for 18 years, so I, I didn't do the historical part of it. Um, there are political issues that are brought up, you know, and you, um, I talk about the Constitution in class. You know, one thing that we do, um, we're really heavy in 11th grade in um, argumentative writing, and I do a lot of mine through court cases. And so kids will study the court cases and they see how constitutional rights have been, um, you know, affected or violated. And so um, you see both sides. So I think that there is a way definitely to do that balance. Um, and I think 
think that when you're doing something like a Jimmy Carter versus a Ronald Reagan, that's just historical. And it's, yeah. and it's you learn from history. Um, but what we're seeing is, is this indoctrination of things that aren't historical. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I'll feel free to talk about it. We just put a, um, I say we, I think there was a collaborative effort to put a stop to International Pronoun Day, which was supposed to be today at school. Um, kids were supposed to celebrate their pronouns by putting their name and their pronouns on a name tag. And, and if you weren't comfortable with talking to kids about their pronouns, there was a video to show, there was this, that, and the other. And this was not an after-school activity. This was a during-school activity. Nowhere in, I mean, and like I said, I've taught for 18 years, or this is year 18. Nowhere has have we were trained to start talking about kids and their, you know, gender identity. Yeah. I'm there to teach English. You know, the history teacher's there to teach history. We're here to teach science. We're here to teach math. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I think um, it's an overstepping of... of uh, you're overstepping your bounds there. Yeah. I mean, you know, with that. And, um, you know, you're putting things in kids' heads that don't really need to be there. If a kid is struggling, pronoun-wise or whatever else, there are those outlets and there are people in those schools to help. Their English teacher probably is not that person. Right. Um, and I can at least direct them to the person. Yeah. Um, but to sit here and and create this this seen to do this today it it was just it it was really disheartening and i'm actually kind of happy that they decided to not do it that's good um, in one of the schools it actually it wasn't my school it was actually in another school but there was kind of this collaborative effort to be like it's inappropriate right we're not doing that in school like that's not what that's for and you know we're not using instructional time when our kids that poll just came out yeah right my gosh, we just dropped in math. What was it from? Uh, the proficiency, yeah, the, the, the testing came out for like math and, um, was it English? And, and fourth and eighth grade and, and like, you know, the vast majority of kids are, 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 grade, are testing below the standard. Yeah, like nobody, seven. no, I mean, yeah, in it, no state did they, did they excel, which we knew was going to happen because of COVID. Right. But yeah, I think it went from like 75 to 69 yeah, percent or something. We it, all it, dropped. It, it, but we're worried about international pronouns. Right. You know, exactly. so it's, you know. Things that don't matter right. are being talked about as opposed to things that matter. And I remember talking about this on one of my other podcasts where it's the success rate. Like, kids literally dropped out of school entirely during COVID. The whole do school online was one of the worst decisions, with the exception of it allowed parents to see what kids were being taught. Yeah. And the biggest reaction and what we saw was, with this whole CRT thing, was when Virginians elected Glenn Youngkin. Yes, absolutely. Parents were appalled by what was going on. And one of the things that I brought up was... A kid got suspended from school online for having a BB gun in his own room. Mm. I was like, wait a minute. You just did what? And the parents were like, he's in his house. Why is this being, why is he being suspended? He's not even allowed to come to school right now. Right. Suspended from what? Like Zoom? Right. right. He's probably thinking that's great. But at the same time, we saw so many kids literally fall off. What we did to kids was such, you know, I'm such an advocate for students and an advocate for education. And what we did to kids during COVID was the most horrific, unforgivable thing. Yes. Um, We still have kids now that are wearing masks, like, you know, to school. And I'm talking about young kids because it's all I've known. Kindergarten, they were in masks. First grade, they're in masks. Second grade, they're in masks. 
they're scared. They think their friends are sick and they're going to get them sick and the air is dirty. And and this is what we've done to these kids. Yeah. And it's so horrific to me. I could go off on a complete tangent on my conspiracy theory on why it happened, but that's a whole nother, that's, you would need a whole nother hour. And I know we don't have that, but, but my point is, is that what we did to children was horrific right. and we used them as political pawns in the classroom, um, to, you know, satisfy teacher union agendas, yep. um, to sit here and it was and for political purpose. Yep. So in that aspect, it's unforgivable. Like exactly. what they did, it's unforgivable. The, the greatest thing that happened in that whole thing was Terry McAuliffe who took the curtain back and many of on our side have always said the teachers' union are one and the same with the Democrat Party. Yeah. And basically that's what he said when he said, you know, hey, parents shouldn't be telling, you know, schools what should be taught to their kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he and he made that, you know, that that fatal, you know, statement that Governor Yunkin and, and, and Winston Sears just took a, a sledgehammer. Yeah. To make light and, of it, and, and then he did that horrific dance. Oh, oh yeah, 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 and exactly. And, oh, and, and Glenn, and, Glenn st- and, and, the movement, and then what happened, which was amazing, the movement started just around the country, even here. I mean, you know, it's one of the reasons why she got, yeah. she got involved and started running. Like, you know, like people started saying, you know, hey, I'm a parent, I'm a teacher, you know, my kid matters. Why is my voice being silenced for my children's education, for the things that they're being taught, and I have no say in this? And like you said, parents saw, you know, the curriculum because right. they were home trying to help their kids on Zoom figure this stuff out. They like, thought Common Core was bad because they're like, yeah. two and two doesn't equal four, except yeah. unless you do it that way. And I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big issues I had with Hogan uh, was when he ran first time, he said, I'm getting rid of Common Core. Well, Common Core is still here. Right. I voted for him twice and... I couldn't stand him during COVID. I thought he was one of the worst responders to it. And I don't have a problem saying it. He's on his way out. He wants to become president. I don't think he's got a chance because when they ranked the states, the top 10 who were the worst responders to COVID, nine were blue and one red, and that was uh, Maryland. And I'm like, no, Maryland's purple. Yeah. Just so you guys know, Maryland is not a red Maryland state. Maryland is, I feel, blue with a little tip of red because <laughs> right. of Hogan. That's about the right. only reason. So yeah. when, they, right. when they were doing it, I'm like, you got to make sure that you balance that out. Right. And then... They're all blue states. Right. And then the people who responded the best to it were nine red states and Maine being blue, which is like they're surrounded by red, so they know. Yeah. <laughs> Heritage Foundation released like a study on educational freedom, you know, ranked every state one through, I think... Well, including, I think, maybe Puerto Rico or something. But Maryland... Yeah, I think it was D.C. Oh, D.C. Okay, it was DC, yeah. yeah. But Maryland was ranked 48. As yeah. Well. Yeah. And, right. Florida right, was number one. Yeah, Florida, yeah. Ron gotta love DeSantis. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Gotta, yeah. gotta love Ron DeSantis. We need to Florida or Maryland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, who... who uh, someone had up Ron DeSantis to help campaign. I think it was maybe Dr. Oz or someone yeah. had Ron DeSantis up to help them campaign. It was wow. like... Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. During the middle of the, like, not the hurricane itself, but because he had to fully respond to the hurricane Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, But as county executive, how can you ease parents' minds? Because we also saw hundreds of videos online of parents going to school boards and voicing their opinions Mm -hmm. and school boards muting the mics. Yeah. And to me, that would be like, okay, you're out. I don't care who you are. Right. Well, I mean, right now we have a very contentious school race right now. And so I think getting these people elected is going to be super important. 
as county executive, you know, on paper, what I do is literally write their maintenance of effort check. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. And so it's like a $58 million check. Here you go. I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Kerwin, um, what the county's going to be, um, you know, on the hook for. Um, but I think as the executive, one of the biggest things is just to be vocal and to be right there with parents. Mm-hmm. You know, you are on the line with parents because I am a parent. My, yeah. you know, my child is, is 12 years old. He's a seventh grader at Mardella. And so it's going to be imperative, I think, for us to see the executive take an active role in one of their largest budget items. You know, yeah. um, the other two that I'm running against very much are taking a back seat. Here's the check. You do whatever you want. I can say nothing. Um, but I think it's important for them to realize that the county executive is looking over the shoulder and where is this money going and what are we putting it towards and um, not how to spend it. That's not my job, but um, more so just that you are taking an active and present role um, when it you know when it comes to that. But that's going to be the school board and it's, yeah. it's going to be hopefully we get the people elected that we want elected um, because the amount of power the school board has, I think, is a lot of people don't realize. And so it's a very important race. Yeah. It's yeah. a very important they, race. They, they have more power than people realize oh yeah they they can make they can make the rules and execute them mm-hmm. you know our county form of government that we have is county executive form obviously and you know the legislative makes the rules and the executive they they execute them uh, with the board of ed it's all in one and that's not you know that's not a very that's not bad that's not good <laughs> yeah uh, well clearly it's not good because you know we can I've been to many school board meetings before we started the run and our voices weren't heard. Yeah. Like, I, I complained. I, I told them how I thought, and there was there was tons and tons of other people with me voicing their concerns as well. And, and you know, the only reason why people are up there is because they're, they're getting things done that, that they don't want. Yeah. The, the parents are uh, not being heard. Their, their kids are being, you know, their kids are having things done around them that the parents aren't happy with mm-hmm. you know and this is just a fruit of a state-run school yeah and that's i'm tired of people calling it a public school it's a state-run school yeah you know that's what it is and if we you know we want the state to run our schools um i don't know how i feel about that arizona they just passed school choice throughout the entire state um we're, i'm gonna be watching that like a hawk because you know we've got to change the way we do schools if if parents can't get a say uh in in their children's education Mm -hmm. and we're paying for it that's coming out of our a lot of our money almost half of our budget in the entire county goes to the school if if all this money is going to the school and you can't even have a say and what when you come to a county council meeting uh you have a you have a voice you know when you go to the uh County executive, you have a voice, right? But when you go to a board of education meeting, forget about it. Yeah, they're just going to mute the mic. They're going to tell you you can't talk. You know. And I think what's even more frustrating with that is um, the, the only thing that's more frustrating than having an unlimited amount of power with the school board has is that you have it and you don't use it. And right. so they are looking for guidance from the superintendent, which I think is good, but the superintendent is not your executive. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There isn't a balance of power at that point. You should listen to the superintendent, don't get me wrong, and be a part of that. But you don't have to cower and cater to that person. Um, I think that they, so I do think that we need people who understand what that role is. Mm-hmm. And when you have good people in that role, you don't have that abuse of power, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the lackluster of, of the power, you know, of, of implementing it either. So yeah. I think it, it's bad on both ends. So yeah. The one good thing Governor Hogan actually did do with schools because he was just as frustrated in some respects that 
there was all these problems of money, and there was nothing he could do, and he's the governor. And so what he fought for and got created, actually, the one thing I do like out of Kerwin, because there's not much that's good. I mean, it's good that teachers are making more money, but, you know, the, it was they created an inspector general's office for the education um, in Annapolis. And so they are monitoring what schools are doing more, and, they, you know, they've discovered things in Baltimore and other places that they've uncovered some corruption. Yeah, um, which you know is desperately needed. Anyway, so uh, what is your favorite takeaway of being an American? Because freedom, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I, I think that I think right. that is right. I was I was ready for you. I thought we were going to say it in unison. You know, but yeah, the God-given right to go to the voting booth and vote for your elected officials. Yeah. We can't you can't do that anywhere else. Nowhere right. else. Right. We've got we've got a Haitian community that, that came from a from a country where they don't have that right. They mm-hmm. they have a dictatorship over there and they're coming over here like why aren't why isn't everyone voting? Right. You know, I mean this is this is a right that should be cherished and we should absolutely fight for it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good point. Yeah, freedom. Um, this is a country that, you know, well, I'll talk about voting. This is a country where you have the right to vote. Yeah. There are, and you have elections that you can, you know, if you are vigilant, you know, if you are, you know, active, you can elect a good person. You actually have the ability to do that here. Now, a lot of people don't, they take that, that right for granted, which is sad. Yeah. Other countries and third world nations, they got one person on the ballot and they got to vote for that dictator for yeah. 30 years. And that's yeah. it. You know, it, it, you know, don't, people should never take the the right to vote for granted i have voted every election since i was 18 and i always will i will never stay home and and that and and if you do stay home guess what there's the old saying you get what you get well yeah elections uh, have consequences consequences. yeah Yeah. exactly and and you know what we're living consequences right now oh yeah previous election oh yeah uh so kind of hinted at it already but i know you guys probably enjoyed listening to rush and I grew uh, up listening to Rush yeah, Limbaugh. Yeah, I used, same. I, I went on the job sites with my father. Yep. Uh, we, you know, we're in construction industry. And at, at 12 o'clock, yep. um, noon to 3, we'd listen to Rush. And, and man, gosh, you know, it made you feel like an American. It made yeah. you proud to be an American. Yep. And uh, That's how my dad was. You know, one of the things that I did like about Rush was he had the gift of being able to predict what was going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, and... He, <laughs> It, it was kind of scary, yeah. you know, how well he But he was proven right. And he was able to articulate what was happening in, in the world today. And, you know, we, we, have, we have some other people that are, that are commentators that are do, trying to do the same things. Right. But Rush has shoes. No one can fill. No one can fill. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dan over here can step in them, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Now, well, speaking of, um, so I got two Rush Limbaugh stories. The first one. It's pretty cool. In 2012, um, you know, when I was at a Young Republican convention in Annapolis, I met Rush Limbaugh's replacement for the first time, Dan Bongino. And, you know, Dan Bongino came in and was running for Senate. He gave this incredible speech. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best speech I've ever heard from anybody running for office. And I I I got up out of my seat and I had to run out in the hallway and go meet him. And I said, man, you're amazing. And, And he was like, yeah, thanks, buddy. And then, like, you know, I got to know Dan when he, you know, ran for office down here, and then he hightailed it to Florida. But, you know, what's incredible <laughs> is Dan Bongino started in, you know, yeah. in Arundel County, running for Senate, and then he ran for Congress in Maryland, and now he is the next Rush Limbaugh, which is kind of, you know, but I knew Dan Bongino when he was, nobody heard of him, and he was first running for U.S. Senate. 
Yeah. The other Rush Limbaugh story I have, this was during the 2020 election. I was working on the Trump campaign up in Pennsylvania, and Trump had just gotten out of the hospital from COVID. Rush Limbaugh had him on a show for an hour. Yeah. They, like, it was, like, it was like, I think it was the Friday show or something. But yeah. They had him on a show, like guest host for an hour. And I sat and listened to the whole thing. It was the most amazing, like just the two of them talking and was and Rush was sick and Trump had just gotten over COVID and you and neither one of them. No, they knew Rush was sick as strong as ever, and it was just incredible. You know, like and I think that a lot of ways Rush Limbaugh always wanted that that conservative to fight, and he was yeah. always disappointed how Republicans let him down all the time. Yep. Donald Trump was not that person. Donald Trump was the person that Rush Limbaugh had been talking about. For thirty years. Yep. And so anyway, yeah, that was those are my two Russell and Bustles. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I grew up listening to Rush and just loving Rush. And it's like uh, when I read his kids' books, the Rush Revere series. Yeah. I sat in, in Barnes and Noble, trying my best not to laugh out loud because their books were so funny. <laughs> I mean, and then his wife would be like, "That was his humor. That wasn't." Me writing parts of it, that was all him. Right, the right. entire Liberty part was all Rush. That was his hilarious antics of it. So um, I've done a lot of Rush impressions. I've done put them up on video on uh, Instagram. I've gotten like thousands of views on a couple of them. And I'm like, How? wait, what is going on here? And I, I just love uh, doing it. And it's like a little tribute to Rush for me. And that's why I'm going to put up some polls on social. But I would like to make this similar to how Rush did his style. So whenever I do current events, I'm putting music into it, adding segments yeah. and all that. Mm. And I'm hoping to coin it excellence in podcasting. Oh, nice. So yeah. as opposed to excellence in broadcasting and be podcasting because yeah. that's how I do it. About wrap it up and everything. All right. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been great talking to you. Hope we can uh, do it again. Yeah, uh, hope, Hopefully after you win. Yes, yes. Win the election and everything. Days, yes. So that's right. Get out and vote and vote for James Wynn for County Council at Large and Julie Giordano for County Executive here in Wacomico County. November eighth. Because <laughs> you win with you win with win, and it's time to bring active local leadership to Wacomico County. There you go. Yeah, there you go, Dan. <laughs> yes. And just remember, look, if we're talking about you know people who stay home, elect bad leaders. There you go. You know? That's because they don't elect leaders at all. There you go. And that will do it for this episode of the Snowman Podcast. I would like to thank Julie, James, and Dan for coming on to the podcast to share about why they are running and what changes they hope to make if they are elected. Folks, I would also like to echo what they said as we closed out. Get out to vote. We as Americans have had that right since our founding. And every year it gets more and more vital to exercise our constitutional and God-given rights. Do your own research. Look over who the candidates are and cast your vote. I will not tell you how to vote. I would just encourage you to pray about it aforehand and make your voice heard on November 8th. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you would, please leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts so as to make it easier for new listeners to find it and become fellow audience members as well. You can find the Snowman Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Reason.fm, and YouTube. Or as I always say, just type in the Snowman Podcast in your search bar and look for an American flag with a snowman in the foreground. Till next time, this is Snowman, and I'll see you now, yeah?
So I always end every episode with a pun. Okay. So which of Washington's officers had the best sense of humor? Oh, no, I know this one. And I don't remember it. The Marquis de Lafayette. Oh, <laughs> de Lafayette. That's fine. I love it. <laughs>